And we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I'm your host, Owen, joined again today with our illustrious co-host, Marvin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, what's going on, dude? Not a whole lot. And we actually have a guest, a special guest today, a uh, longtime friend, a personal friend of ours, uh, Julian. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Or I guess welcome for the first time. I was going to say, never been here, but I'm happy that I'm considered to be back. (laughs) It's almost like you've never left. (laughs) Well, according to earlier, I was always in Marvin's house, so I've been to every episode. Uh, I'm sorry, always? You know, we'll discuss later. Uh, yeah, yeah. If what? You know, well, what's, what you haven't noticed, Marvin, is like I've actually had to cut him out of previous episodes because I'd hear him in the background. Uh, I thought you knew. I'm uncomfortable. I have been in the air shaft for a while. And I've been waiting for this invite. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> Moving on from well, that disturbing I'm glad fact. you're here. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Julian is a, is a longtime friend of ours um, and is one of uh, my players in our uh, monthly Sunday game uh, where we get to play pirates and, uh, and nonsense. So, um, so yeah, man, uh, you know, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, honestly, long overdue. Should have had you on way sooner. That's what I was telling Marvin. <laughs> um, were you though? Yes. Hmm. I don't know about that. All right. Yeah, but happy to be here. Better late than never. Very cool. So, so um, Julian, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about your history with uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Um, oof, oof. Okay, I don't know how long it's been. Um, it, it, you know, it was before you moved and then came back. Uh, Marvin, I think he invited me on a whim to one of your Star Wars sessions, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know what? why not i let me give it a try uh and it turned out to be a lot of fun and then you know you guys would come up with different campaigns and for some reason my name would pop into your head and you would invite me and i would be like sure why not i don't have any time commitments at all like non-sarcastically i do not have much of a life uh and yeah here i am again on like probably the sixth or seventh campaign i've been in um in i don't even know how many years and I still ask, how many actions do I have? <laughs> <laughs> so, so despite your kind of uh, on-again, off-again relationship, it, you would consider yourself a, uh, a casual then? Yeah, I would definitely consider myself casual. Um, mostly because, like, all of the campaigns I'm in, I, I think we finish, like, if, if, the ca- if the overarching campaign is a book, we usually get to chapter one. And then the book never ends. So then by the time we start a new book, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of pretty typical, though, I think, of, of most people's D&D experiences. A lot of times the stories just don't finish. The The campaign just kind of falls off in one way or another. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, definitely. But I always have fun. I'm always here for it. And then I'm always like, okay, so when's the next chapter? And then Marvin's usually like, no... Uh, Don's dead, so the game's over. Repeat that? (laughs) Usually you, Marvin, are usually like one of the people in the party is like, they're dead, they can't play anymore, and the game's just kind of over. And I'm just like, dang. 
It was getting good. I don't think I've ever made it to like level eight. That's wild. I mean, we're on track to, to surpass that record. I'm happy to say. I know! This is the furthest I've ever gotten. <laughs> like level five. <laughs> yeah. I'm also surprised I have never died in a game. And not because of like the DM's grace, just out of pure uh, enthusiasm in which I play most of my characters, which is accurate to the character in game but like not the best mindset for somebody trying to survive <laughs> so i mean do you want to describe kind of some of the characters that you like to favor because i definitely i don't know about you marvin but i definitely think julian has a type oh yeah uh but i'll um, let julian explain that hold on no, wait hold on hold on hold on what would you guys say my type is I mean, personally, I think you tend to favor characters who are very energetic in one way or another. And you also tend to favor characters who have an excuse to allow you to, to just do some nonsense at any given time. All right. So, yeah, that's fair. I definitely play a very Jack Sparrow-ish type characters uh, most of the time. But I, it didn't start out that way. Um, in the beginning, I was very much doing the strong silent only take one class gonna be the best person in that class usually like a, a fighter type for a while and then i was like okay i'm starting to feel the flow and then i started branching out into okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be shenanigans i'm gonna be shenanigans not an agent of chaos but just like what is he even doing and i think i've gotten to the point where a lot of my characters are like you're in a setting and I do something crazy that sets off a huge chain of events, but it's also what led us to the next plot point. <laughs> <laughs> Straight wild card status. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Marvin? Um, I, I tend to agree with both of those assessments. You kind of just let yourself do some of the off the wall stuff that you normally would not be able to do in other games um or might even be actively discouraged from doing in other games <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm definitely at the grace of the dm who you know has usually been uh you or marvin did i think david did david run a game for us once marvin uh i think so yeah where yeah. i've had the grace this was um of, salt marsh yes I've had the grace of the DMs being a little bit flexible with my characters, but I like to think it's attributed to the fact that when I come into these games, I come into it for kind of the the theatrics of it all. So like you can count on me to like really act out my character. And I, I like to think because I do that, you guys are just like, you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, I think um, that's part of it. Um, yeah, you're definitely like, you're super entertaining to roleplay with and um you're definitely one of the more active participants at any table you're at yeah for sure i think for me as a dm i think one of the reasons that it's always a delight to have you at the table is because like i know whenever you're at the table you're 100 percent at the table right mm -hmm. i know that nothing is competing for your for your attention and that you are 100 percent engaged in whatever is going on almost no matter what is going on so, like, I think for that reason, I would kind of be nuts to, like, not want to keep you engaged <laughs> by, like, you know, uh, showering your parade a little bit too much. Um, I mean, certainly there's bounds and limitations, right? But if you're like, hey, can I just, like, powerbomb this guy? I'm going to be like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Sure. Why not? <laughs> what does it hurt? 
besides that guy? I, I think it's fair, and, like, this is probably the closest I get to LARPing, and, and I'm really getting into it because now I buy outfits. Uh, and not entire outfits, but, like, you guys know that I started showing up in the robe, and Marvin can tell you in the last game I bought, like, a sailor's jacket because I'm just really starting to feel these characters out. And I, I would agree, I'm I'm definitely, like, 100% in it because I'm picturing everything in my head and i think this allows me to express a lot of creative juices that i just don't get to normally express in my everyday life so i'm thinking of really good backstories really good plot points that will never come to fruition but while i'm in the game i'm like oh this is great i mean honestly it's that kind of feeling that makes me think that you'd probably make an excellent dm um because like as a dm I, i will say that one of the interesting parts of playing with you as a player is that um your your style of roleplay is a you're a lot more willing to kind of take the reins of the world building, um, kind of in your own hands and just kind of move forward with it. Um, yeah, obviously it's always with my blessing. You're never making shit up without me, like, you know, saying sure. You know that's okay. But, um, you know, as a player, I think you're a lot more willing to just kind of like ad lib some shit into the universe. And I think that like that collaborative element of the game has been really fun for me because a it takes some of the the uh, the pressure off and i think it makes the universe feel a lot more like a collaborative storytelling exercise as opposed to just like you guys doing you know my own story as you know from point a to point b to point c um but i think for that reason and and some of the the creative ideas that you've had regarding your character i think you probably would make a really good dm if you ever did choose to to wear that hat i well i think two things one is uh I bought the Avatar, the last Airbender role-playing game, and I'm, I'm currently working my way through the book because I think I might actually DM my first game. I'm like, if it's going to be one, it's going to be one where I know about the lore and I feel really comfortable at first. So I, I, am, I am mulling the idea over. And then I think just going back to what you said about me uh, being able to just kind of go off script and how that helps. Honestly, like for the past few campaigns I've been in now, whoever the DM is, I'm like, yo, just just hear me out real quick. I have this really great idea. And if you just trust me, I promise you it won't derail us from the story, but it'll add to it and it'll kind of take the burden off of you. Because I don't know if you guys ever discussed like any of the sessions that we were in where I just completely I'll come up with names of buildings. I'll come up with names of people. And yeah, there'll be a couple in there that are like a little bit on the nose, but I can keep going. And I think a lot of times like my mind is like, okay, like the I think uh, our last session is really good. I'm picturing like these towers in the ocean. And I'm thinking about like what life is like there, and I'm like, okay, cool. What is the what does the highborn area look like? Where where are all the rich people at? But then even more importantly, because of just how my character is, yo, where's the deep down low and gritty areas? Let me see those places. The place where it's like you're gonna find some rich people who don't belong there, but go there on the low. Show me what that looks like. And if you just let me expand it, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me the grace. I'll take it. Not too much, <laughs> but just 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 to help it out. No, but honestly, it breathes so much more life into the into the setting, right? When you have someone who's willing to, like, to just kind of, like, you know, take an imaginative leap and not wait for the DM to tell them how it is, right? Um, and I don't mm-hmm. think that works for everybody. Um, I do think that, like, there's a certain level of trust, and I, you know, we've played D&D and other roleplay games long enough, Julian, that I trust that you're not going to, like, do some nonsense, right? It'll be nonsense, but it's always going to be tame, right? Very, very yeah. controlled chaos. Um you would never walk in and say, oh, I'm going to walk in and there's like 10,000 gold just sitting on the counter, right? I'm going to go take some no, of that, that's, right? That's, that's, not, that's not what's fun for me. Like, that's too easy. Like, I, I, ooh, 
Hold on, my, my computer almost turned off for a second. Um, I think like going even going back Are to the last thing or something. What's happening? Uh, the I don't I don't know, but the the bar scene in our last session was just so great for me, where like back uh, background for listeners, like we go to this ocean set uh, set city, and usually I'm the type of person in, in character who's like, yo, not show me where the brothels are, but show me where the brothels are. Uh, so we go to this bar looking for highborns, trying to find a buyer for this uh, magicite mineral. And we find like these 18 year old type of I have a fake ID to get in there. And I get like them hammered off the craziest drink that I can. Th- I don't even know how I name these drinks. I have no clue how I name these drinks. They just pop into my head. And it, I feel like it was the hangover. I feel like it was the magical version of the hangover for that entire scene. And that and that was great. And I definitely have learned how to kind of play within the confines of like not getting too crazy. Because Marvin will tell you in one of the last sessions where we did the bank robbery, it was getting a little bit out of control. <laughs> oh, but the bank robbery was so much fun for me. <laughs> I am i can't even like, yeah, that got out of hand. But at the same time, I got to run a heist. Yeah. That, that I didn't that was... plan. You weren't supposed to rob this bank. You just felt like it. <laughs> well, okay. So, uh, secondary context. We're playing this campaign, and we get teleported to an alternate reality. And who's who's partnered with me in, on that crew? Is it me and David? Uh, that was you and David while Alan was going to the library looking for information on some. Okay, yeah, Alan. Alan's doing main character stuff, and I'm I'm a I'm more of the piratish side in that game, and I'm just like David, you're the B like, plot. Yeah, I'm like yeah. I'm like David. We're we're in an alternate reality, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, nothing we do here matters, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, yo, let's rob a bank. <laughs> And we plan out like a legit bank heist, leads into the city being set on fire. But that was that was Alan's fault. That had nothing to do with me. That's Alan's fault. Zombies break loose. Chaos. Chaos. Great storytelling, though. <laughs> it's a dream. All of it's made up. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's um, real. Yeah. So I, I think I've gotten inception. a lot more comfortable. I've gotten a lot more comfortable doing stuff like that because I think it, it adds a level of fun, at least for me. And I hope and hopefully the DM where it's just like, yo, Julian's kind of like helping expand the world. And I kind of just have to sit back and make sure like they they find their way back to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in some ways that's kind of what's going on. I think the other thing, too, is that like I can like one of the things I've noticed is that you tend to play a lot of bit characters where like you have a bit and you commit to that bit religiously. So like that's- for me, <laughs> For me, a lot of the fun has been, like, certainly with the most recent campaign, is finding a way to turn your bit character into someone who has to be a little bit more serious <laughs> with, like, plot. Oh. So, um, and hopefully that's worked. Um, I, I like to think that, that it was a, a pretty good one. And I, I think the way that we accomplished it was somewhat funny, because basically I took your bit character and I leaned harder into the bit than you were ready. Oh, it was that was great. I think one of the things that that I've learned from doing this is... And Marvin, feel free to disagree. I feel like a lot of the times I would give off main character energy and I would become like de facto group leader. So the past few campaigns, I've been trying to do the opposite to give other people that chance. So I'm just usually kind of playing like aloof or just that side character B plot. 
Uh, so then the DM naturally, like, you guys reel me back in to get me invested. Because otherwise, like, uh, outside looking is like, why is this character doing this? <laughs> right, um, well, that's one of the things, right? Go ahead, Mar. I don't know if you, like, ever, like, really take control of the plot. Um, so much as a lot of the campaigns you have played with people who kind of just fade into the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it's not really that you're, like, taking the spotlight so much as there's nobody else to be in it, and you, you can't really stop yourself from being in the spotlight if nobody else is taking it. Um, and I, I hate being in the spotlight, believe it or not. <laughs> you're doing a terrible job then, bud. I... <laughs> I, I can't stand it. I'm I'm just trying to be like comedic relief. I don't know um, to accomplish, but I, I mm-hmm. think what it is is like I think when you play D and D, there are some players who are naturally I want to say not charismatic, but there are people who are like less comfortable interjecting. Um, yeah, and I think that like kind of what Marvin's saying is not that like people are like not playing necessarily or fading to the background, but I think that like you naturally have a, a um like a personal charisma or a uh, like a presence about you at the table to where like if nothing's happening Julia makes something happen whereas like the other players are maybe a little bit more wait and see I think you're much more willing to kind of jump in with both feet and just find out what happens you know whether it be good or bad and I think that because you're a very active player at the table as far as making things happen I think that that maybe why you feel that you end up in the spotlight it's not because you're necessarily like driving you know, the party decisions necessarily, but because you're more willing to, again, be, be like an active character in the plot and in the story, as opposed to like a passive one that waits for things to happen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think like I take a lot of my cues from movies where like I, I watch, I watch a lot of film analysis. And one of the things that sticks out with me is when they talk about active characters versus passive ones. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of refuse to be a passive character cause it doesn't make for a good story. Like they're not part of the plot. The plot happens around like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the lost Ark. When you realize like that whole movie could happen without him. I try not to be that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like. I want to actively be a part of the story, and I think like it's getting to the point where other people have to also be as active. Because I think Alan in that last session, like Alan isn't normally like that. No, Alan did a lot. Passive player. Um, yeah, and again, like that's not to say that that's not to disparage a passive play style. No. Um, as a DM, it is more interesting when I have a group of active players, though. No, I, I think I think definitely. Like I think. One of the things, too, like, that makes it hard in this campaign is, like, because of my himbo type of character, it, it's actually really hard to not say things to be smarter than I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've, I've really challenged myself because there will be situations where I'm just, I just want to be, like, to Marvin or Alan, be like, yo, maybe we should ask about that or maybe we should do that. And I'm like, oh, my character wouldn't do that. Like, he not designed to to make those interjections. He might not even be aware that this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> he he, I think it's even aware. funnier with this character, though, because, like, he could accidentally just, like, spout random genius nonsense occasionally. Well, that's how we ended up in the bar. 
That's true. Uh, do you want to provide some context to what happened with Alan? Why, why you feel like he took a more active role during our last session? Because obviously none of our audience was there to watch it. Um, so. so while Marvin followed me on an escapade to find a, a really dank dive bar, essentially, that doubled as a as probably a strip club. Um, where Alan broke went, the fourth wall. Where, 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 where we gave him an elixir that made him break the fourth wall, like when Morty found out what true level meant. Um, <laughs> Alan kind of went more of the traditional route of following a plot line that was left from a previous session. And because Alan is Alan, it led him into a lot of interesting conversations that like by yourself, I can see how you're underprepared for. So it led to a plot that's leading us to fighting somebody. I would argue we are not ready to fight a big, bad boss that we're not ready to fight, but because Alan's Alan, he just kept going with it, where it's just like, uh, I guess we'll help. <laughs> he kept yes-anning when, like, the, the the yes question was like, can you assassinate the president? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I guess so. I mean. That sounds like something I can do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm equipped for that. <laughs> you know, um, just to be clear, we are not actually plotting to assassinate any president of, of this country or others, um, for, for anyone no. who may be listening. No. So I, I think, like, it, it forced him to be a little bit more active because he's like, well, I'm going to follow this thread. And it's because he had to follow it by himself that he had to be more active because there was no one there to, like, really help push along any of the dialogue or the narrative. And I think it was great. Like, I'm, I'm happy it went the way it went because it made the story so much more richer because it just split in so many different ways. And now we're, we're on a suicide mission, essentially. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really excited about it. Um, and one, and the thing is, too, is like I'm really happy that he decided to take that path because he had an opportunity to get off the train right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right, um, you know, Alan is talking to this character. Um, he found this locket on a on a wrecked ship that had probably been gone for decades, and so he's returning it to the owner, right, or to the next of kin, and he's talking to this to this uh, noble woman. And, you know, basically a pirate shows up to shake her down for some cash. And, you know, she basically throughout that conversation, he had an opportunity to just kind of wait until that conversation was over. They were going to go talk in private. And he offered, or I think she asked, I think he offered to, um, to kind of, yeah, he offered to, to like kind of stick around as protection or whatever. And so they came up with a, a somewhat poor lie, but you know, good enough, I suppose, to get him in the room. <laughs> and uh you know which by the way was quite fun role playing a uh, an npc noble woman who is just not a very effective liar <laughs> oh yeah that was great um but, well i think what's great too is alan is also naturally not a good liar <laughs> alan's not a good liar but i think his character is a better liar than alan is fortunately that's fair um like and that's part that's- of the fun too as a dm right is like yeah, sure, it's like, tell me how you lie. But, like, ultimately, I'm also trying to use the role to kind of determine whether or not it's effective or not. So mm-hmm. it's like, he could come up with the most, like, batshit and crazy lie to, like, explain who he is or what he's doing. But, like, if the role is high enough, like, I'd be remiss to say it didn't work somehow. And I think that's part of the fun, too. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think the way it plays out is like the role the the role of the die has a lot more weight because it can go that way and you're just like wow wow he got away with that but you know what who's to say in reality you wouldn't <laughs> i mean truth is stranger yeah. than fiction uh, fiction sometimes you know yeah yeah 
So I think it's good. I think one of the things I've noticed about Alan, because uh, I've played with every session I've played in, Alan has been in it. Alan, that's a, that's Alan, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Alan very much is like, he tries to give off that main character energy, but because he is kind of passive, you kind of have to push him there. And I want him to be that main character. I want him to be that Luffy, but you gotta, you gotta get him there. And I think he's, this is the first time I've played with him and he's starting to actually get there. He wants to be a Luffy, but he's secretly a Gohan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he has the main character energy, but, like, the plot happens to and around him in a lot of the characters that he's played. Um, and I agree. I think this is one of the few times that I've seen him step outside of that comfort zone. Um, in part because he was somewhat forced to be. Um, but you know what? That's okay. I, I think that it's it's fun as a DM to, like, I think, give players opportunities to test those waters and kind of do so in, like, a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. So were you going to say something, Marvin? Nope. I was just agreeing. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for us to get to the point where we have to beat the main big bad guy and then determine who's going to be king of the pirates. Cause I think that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I really, I, really want a, um, Ooh, what a uh, castle crasher situation where we like finish the last boss fight. And then at the end of it, we all have to like murder each other to see who's going to get the real pride. Oh, you see, I I want a I want a dark saber situation. I want it to be one of us kills him, and yeah, Alan, me like me. Let's say me and Marvin don't want to be king of the pirates, and my character has no ambition of of the sort. Uh, you know, one of us kills the the main baddie, and Alan is like, okay, I'm stepping up, I'm taking it, and everybody's like, I mean, yeah, but it's not yours. You didn't give the final blow. <laughs> I have this, this is somewhat naive, and, like, I almost don't want to say it out loud to poison the well a little bit, but, like, I almost like to imagine it somewhat like a, um, like a Shengong Wu, right? <laughs> Where, like, any contest will do. So, like, I imagine that, like, you know, Marvin uh, slays Davy Jones, right, and seals the belt, and it's like, alright, uh, arm wrestle you for it, and he just throws the arm wrestling <laughs> match. Uh, well, I think just to have the the perfect callback, it would have to be a game of liars dice. Liars dice. <laughs> <laughs> liars dice with the king of the pirates belt on the on the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. liars dice for yeah, and I, I think that'd be amazing. Um, I think like in the end, if Marvin won it all, because I think his character is actually least pitched to do so, it would be hilarious. So because I kind of have. I kind of have the fate thing going on, and Alan has the ambition, and Marvin's just like, I'm here for the money. (laughs) (laughs) Seems profitable to be the uh, king of the pirates. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take it, I guess. Like, how much money do I get? (laughs) Yeah, is it it salary? Is it hourly? Like, Like, do I have to keep pillaging because that was really boring? That technically makes a commission, right? Yeah, it is. It, it's a commission job, um, and it, it, you know it's it's hard. We we let um we let a crew in our last session. I didn't realize how much bureaucracy there was because they nominated me captain, mm-hmm. and like there was an entire session to establishing like the rules of the boat, the different uh the different positions on the boat, like who was going to be what, 
how we were going to go about like taking missions and splitting the it, there was a whole bureaucratic fee or, or session just going over okay what are the rules of this boat now that we're a crew and i'm like wow so much for just like jumping on a boat and just being like we're gonna take your stuff <laughs> you know it's kind of funny right because you guys have an npc that's the pirate captain for you guys it kind of offloads a lot of that stuff so you can kind of focus on the adventuring bits um, mm-hmm. While they deal with kind of the bureaucracy and the the chores of like running the ship from day to day, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, you have a, a crew of you know twenty people that you need to pay. Uh, how are you paying their salary? You haven't uh, <laughs> you haven't pillaged any boats in the last you know two in game weeks. Uh, you've been kind of no. <laughs> Yeah, that's so real like uh you, you i don't know if to dock this ship you, you haven't paid the, the the taxes on it either that yeah, was literally I, the I, first thing that happened yeah i don't know i don't know if uh either of you have seen the tv show black sales i have not um i've seen some uh, of it it's, it was a show on showtime about pirates and it was it, they have a like a high level of historical accuracy and they base it around like um what's the what's the the famous book uh, pirate book that has um, Long John Silver, Treasure Island. It's it's very much based around like the Treasure Island plot, like a, a prequel to that story. But a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff is very historically accurate. And I'm just like, yo, being a pirate captain is not freaking easy, like at all. Can't you gotta no pay dummy. to park that. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta pay to park the boat. You gotta clean the boat. Like you gotta. Spl- I was just like, oh my gosh, this this is not just jumping on a boat and looting people. <laughs> Like, it starts out that way, but, like, the minute there's more than, like, two or three people, you suddenly need, like, a leadership structure in place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah! Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. yeah. It was a lot, so... I'm very much reminded of the um, the CGP Grey videos about pirate uh, about piracy. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen those, they're quite, they're quite delightful. Um, oh, no, I haven't. Oh, dude, you're missing out. Um, I'll send them to you right after the episode, uh, right after our recording here, because um, I think you'll enjoy them. But yeah, it, it really does kind of crack open the, um, like, the, the fact that there is like a bureaucracy, there is a hierarchy there, um, and that like ultimately the captain serves at the pleasure of the crew, um, you know, which I think speaks a lot to the inherent loyalty that needs to exist in that situation. And so that's why like I do go through great efforts to try and make the captain somewhat endeared to you guys um, in some capacity. Uh, you just like for me personally, but I also think it's really important as a DM that like I don't just give gift you guys with a bunch of NPCs that can solve all of your problems for you, which is why mm-hmm. I still try to like, even though the captain is technically the one who's like in charge, air quotes, she really does defer a lot of her decision making to like you guys um, when it comes to certain things. So I, I think that I'm trying to, I'm trying to strike a balance there, um, which ironically, now that I think about it, this is the second time I've had an NPC person be the captain of a boat you guys are on. It's just last time it was in space. Last time it was in space. Um, um, but it also makes sense that the captain defers to us in this campaign because we're some of the most senior members of the crew now. Like yeah, by happenstance of be everyone else being murdered. <laughs> yeah, that is actually yeah. kind of funny. I didn't think about it that way, but that actually does make a lot of sense. <laughs> like we're I... technically more senior on this actual crew than the first mate is because we picked him up after the last first mate died. Yeah, she just already knew him. Yeah, I I think like kind of the way it played out is just how you said uh, Marvin, where it's like 
yeah, we have this crew, we have this hierarchy, but like the the three actual characters are the muscle. Like they're 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 actually the muscle. Like there's no crew without them. All these other people are kind of useless to an extent. So why wouldn't I consult with them? Because if I don't have them, like I I, I know what they can do and they can handle themselves. Everybody else, they're just kind of stringers that we picked up. <laughs> yeah, like they know the job, but they don't know how to fight. <laughs> they're just yeah, and, and, and we don't basically. run from the fights like we're willing to partake in them well some of us i'm not i, I mean, just get drawn into it you're often willing <laughs> not only you're willing to partake you're often willingly causing them <laughs> am i <laughs> i mean i mean maybe not like, you in particular but the, the three of you yeah so like julian yes you are starting a lot of the fights but it's not the you that you think you are Ooh, you're gonna have to explain that. It's secretly you, but you're wearing a mask. Oh, you well, love yeah. to fight, but you don't realize yeah. you love to fight. Yeah. No, I, I I think that's fair. I this I mean, I think I said it after our first session or our second session. This is probably the funnest campaign I've been in because of playing not such a serious character. Um. <laughs> so I've just been like. I've been having a ball. Like the thought, the, I feel like a lot of the times the goal of me in the session is to see how badly I can get you guys to break out laughing without doing like a like without like taking a sledgehammer to a watermelon in without the middle of doing like, the little slapstick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a valid goal. I mean, it's a recipe for a great time. I'll give you that. Yeah. And I, I just try not to be repetitive, but I, I just I try to have fun with it. I want my character to be fun and to be so ridiculous that like in the reality of this game, you're like, who is this person? Who is he? <laughs> Real fucking Casanova is what? Yeah, <laughs> he's on <a> how? <laughs> uh. He's you know I I, I imagine like. We're in a we're in a certain part of the world where like I'm very uh, rarely known, but somewhere on a, on the other part of the globe, I'm like one of the most wanted pirates on that side of the sea, and I'm over here just like, how did I become a one? I I don't even know what boats I'm on. <laughs> just I'm not even a pirate, man. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's just like association. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's one of those situations where like people take photographs of like great historical tragedies and you're just in the background every time. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's like, is this Orca Harbinger of Doom? And it's like, no, he's just fucking Mr. Magooing it up. That's what's just, going I, on. I, yeah. Just I feel he's like, a little you know, high. You know what it is? I I feel like Mr. Bean. Like you know, I, I feel like very much like Mr. Bean as a character where all this stuff is happening and I'm part of it, but I'm not realizing like how much a part of it I am. If Mr. Bean was a luchador. Yeah. Not an alien. <laughs> and not an alien. That's, that's true. That's Mr. true. Mr. Bean is, this is I think this alien. is probably the only, the this is the first time I'm not a human. Ooh. <laughs> like, that's, that's actually that's a, like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking of no, no. You were um, you were either a gnome or a halfling monk that one time. True. Okay. Yeah. So so back to being like uh, kind of novice campaign, right? Your Sai Sai Shi XP. Yeah. Was a yeah. Was a gnome, right? 
Something like that. So mm -hmm. yeah. So to to go back to being like novicey, for many of my sessions, I was you know just a human or whatever. And as I got more comfortable, I'm like, okay, let me try to be a different type of person. And it and it, and it was in um Marvin session or David session where that was the first time I ever did a character that did magic. Like I was very afraid to do any type of magic because I don't understand the systems and how they work because I listen to you guys talk about like preparing spells and how many times you use things and all that stuff and I'm just like for for me I'm like I find that very intimidating but then we did a session I'm like okay I'm gonna try it I'm gonna be I don't even remember what I was I think I was a witch and um, I was like I don't have to prep anything I'm just using cantrips so let's just start off slow <laughs> yeah I, you were yeah. a witch her name was Tulip I remember this character yeah great great character she was just Raven she's just Raven and Ebon mixed together. It, and also did not trust men. Yeah. Like explicitly well, did not trust men. Well, she was raised in a coven. So mm -hmm. like, how could, you know, it was, it was Raven, Ebon, and a witch of Dathomir, like kind of all mixed into one. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like I've gotten a lot more comfortable where I'm willing to try more things than I used to when I first started. Cause when I first started, it's like, gonna do gonna do big fisty fighting stuff gonna always be human because I, I was just playing it safe and now i'm really starting to branch out there mm. i see so I, I know you had mentioned earlier that you kind of tend to engage with the the role play element of you know tabletops kind of more directly than like the the mechanical parts um would you consider that kind of like the big draw to the game for you um or, or is there something else um, a hundred percent. It is that is that is most of the draw is just being able to be like a part time thespian, um, mm -hmm. and really just being able to act out those scenes and those dialogues and just be somebody. Not be yourself for like four hours is just so appealing, um, and it, it's just, it's a lot of fun. That's why I, I got into it. You know. If, if if I go back to playing the Star Wars session, Owen, it is it is the tub tub scene where he died that that really was like, oh, I want to keep doing this because there was so much emotional weight in that scene for a game that I was barely in that I was just like, yo, I think I'm only like two, three sessions into this game and I've only known this character for like five minutes. But damn, this hurt. Oh, my gosh. This hurts so much. So I, I do a lot of it for the role-playing aspect of just, like, being able to be these characters, imagining what their actions would look like uh, in my head and just having fun with that. And the mechanics are just a byproduct of it, where it's like I have to know how to do the things in order to make them happen. But a lot of it is just like, yo, I'm like freaking John Cena in this session. You can't see me. I'm out here doing uh, attitude adjustments and RKOs just because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so you would say that like that was like the, the moment that like sold you on tabletops? That with, with 100% is what sold me on it was that moment uh, when Tub Tub died in that Star Wars game. And I was like, I, I can definitely keep doing this. Um, because I, I thought it was just a lot of fun. And I was like, you know, there's there's definitely a stigma to D&D where it's it's perceived as, like, very nerdy or geeky. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is overblown. Like, this is what's up. Like, if you just want to, like, kind of dick around with your friends and probably spend an hour before you even start the game and then you play the game for, like, five hours, like, this is this is a good, this is a good way to, to 
to blow off steam and have fun. Like that's that's like my one day off a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've always kind of felt that like Dean. Well, I will say that like back then, like because this was what like ten years ago or something. Five yeah, yeah, like yeah. ten years ago, almost exactly now. I think. Yeah, so this is like ten years ago, and I think that like even back then, it was considered a little bit more geeky than it is now. Now it's a lot mm-hmm. more mainstream than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that like yeah, I kind of view D and D more more so than just like my hobby or like my 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 uh my podcast right um like more than those things i view D as a good excuse for me to get together with my friends and hang out and just like mm-hmm. talk and voice chat because like if i didn't have that standing appointment with you guys every you know third sunday of the month if i didn't have that standing appointment every couple of weeks with my saturday campaign i just wouldn't talk to very many of my friends very often mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that's just pressing like that's straight depressing. I don't know what a, like. I guess other people get into sports, and that's what regular adults do. But like, I can't imagine a world where like, you know, th- my only socialization with my friends is, you know, through the lens of talking about, you know, quarterbacks and touchdowns and yeah, field goals. No, I, I like. I agree. I think like having those relationships are so important because I think about the friendships I have and how much of it is talking about work and like big global events and not about like just substance and kind of just being able to kick back and have fun and that's definitely one of the things D&D is it's like it, it, it's it's coincidentally a guy's night for us uh, so that, that's like the closest thing to a guy's night I get a month where it's just like you and the boys cracking open a cold one making up stories in your head <laughs> Yeah, it's like you get to to drive two and a half hours and go play pretend with your buddies. <laughs> oh. but, but you know, there are people who do that, right? That's that's literally what LARPing is. I feel like you'd probably be really into LARPing if that's just like it just so happens you found D and D first, right, or tabletops first. But I feel like if it was yeah. LARPing, you'd be just as into that. <laughs> well, the, what's 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 the Paul Rudd movie? Um, is it is it Grown Ups? Mm-hmm. Where they do the LARPing yeah, in that one, and yeah. I and that's the first time I got to see what LARPing was, and I was like, oh no, I would do that. I'm, I would be down, and like, like ironically, that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would 100% be down, and like I will. I've looked at. There's nothing going on in South Florida. Like it's just so boring here because I, for the audience, and as uh, Marvin and Owen know, f- back in like early 2010s, I was super big into Nerf, and that itself turned into LARPing, whether we realize it or not. Yes, it um, did. Son. Yeah, that 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 turned into our form of LARPing, and uh, that was some of the best times of my life, and I and I strongly miss that. But there's no community in South Florida whatsoever to do those type of things, and I find it unfortunate because I think I'm a really creative person, and like one of the things I wish I could have done in high school just for fun is drama class because I'm just I'm a ridiculous character. Like once you get to know me cuz I'm a little bit reserved, I'm a ridiculous person, but I need to be ridiculous because I have so much energy and creativity for stuff like that. Mhm. Yeah, 100%. And I can definitely see how like cuz like let's be honest, when you're adulting, you know, a lot of jobs are not really like super high on the tolerance for bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for messing with people. So like I definitely understand how like if you only play D anD D once a month, like this becomes like the one opportunity you have to to really express that that creative energy and give yourself an outlet um, that like just simply doesn't exist 
you know, for you. And honestly, yeah, had a great time playing Nerf <laughs> back in the day. Um, but I, you're absolutely right. Like, we don't really have the, like, community. Like, the problem is that in order for that to flourish, you would need to take it upon yourself to run that community, which then becomes a secondary job. And, and you know, I, I talked to Kat for the audience, that's my wife, about it because it, it is something I'm passionate about because I did love it so much. And I'm like, wow. Like, and I, and I started, like, lightly researching stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, like, that is a whole infrastructure I would have to create from scratch. And, like, you have to find people who, who are willing to buy in. And that, I, I feel like that just takes so much time. Consistency is, like, key to success. So it would take, like, years to build that up to the point where, honestly, it would be... Yeah, even yeah, even just to get it back to where it was, let alone be in the communities that you see in other states and in movies and stuff like that. That's a whole other job. That's like an association that you would have to run year round. Yeah, like for a those things to happen, basically. Yeah, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty much. Like, and I, I'm not saying I'm not willing to do that. I'm just saying, like, if it's something I'm going to explore, and I am strongly considering it. I'm I'm a, I'm an overthinker, so I have to plan very meticulously for something like that but it is something i want to do like both just like classical like let's grab some nerf swords and beat the crap out of each other in really fancy outfits but also like let's grab some nerf guns and play some capture the flag because the nerf gun technology guys in the past 10 years amazing like they've started it's geared towards adults now for for, forget the kids keep them at home kids aren't real anymore (laughs) hey wait hold on (laughs) <laughs> i said um, what i said lord of mercy um no 100 percent, right it's one of those things where like you have to spend so much time running it and yeah i i definitely have seen some of those like nerf uh nerf products that have come out in recent years and i'm just like man that would be that'd be pretty cool <laughs> so, yeah um you know, and the other thing too is like you also have to find people that you trust, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. something that you can do by yourself. It's something that you absolutely need like additional people to assist with. And the problem with you know those kind of things is that they do. You know, the more people you invite, if they're not personal friends, if they're not close, if you don't trust them, like you're inviting drama into your life, like and you just know it already. So, mm-hmm. um, but and, and and you know, one of the things I think about too is just like you when you set up systems like that. You kind of have to be you. You don't get to enjoy it as much because you're too busy setting it up and monitoring it that you don't get to really partake in it. Because now you now you're gonna need officials who are gonna have like a standing rule. Because if once you grow beyond like your circle, you have to have standards. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we first did Nerf, we honestly we operated off the honor system and we played with like up to 15 20 people and we operate off the honor system and it worked but like realistically nowadays like you'd have to have somebody be that you judge <laughs> yeah you need someone to arbitrate it and it's like once you get into that point like all right now we're turning what's supposed to be a fun activity into a competitive activity and that's yeah. like getting away from the spirit of what it is mm-hmm. yeah which it's supposed to just be like a bunch of people like uh picking around in a park for like three hours yeah <laughs> that's the idea that that is that is the idea. <laughs> yeah, I remember cleanup was always the worst part, though. <laughs> like scouring the park, oh. with all the loose uh, loose darts. Well, when we had when you, I think when we started doing the zombie games at night, we didn't. I don't even think we tried that much anymore. We were just like, yeah, 
we'll just go to Walmart and buy some more. <laughs> it was it was really just at some point, just whichever ones we find, we pick up. Otherwise, yeah, eh. it's just yeah, that was it. Cost. Yeah, <laughs> it costs you twenty bucks in dart a night, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, for something we did like once, maybe twice a month, like that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, those days we we really didn't care. Money wasn't an issue because like it wasn't it, it's not expensive. And we also didn't have a whole lot of bills. Like, I was going to say, yeah. many of us worked and not many of us had any responsibilities. <laughs> yes, yes, because we weren't full adults at that point. Yeah, like... Proto-adults. Uh, but I think the return on it for the time made up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier that I thought was kind of interesting. You described yourself as someone who's like a very meticulous planner. And so I find that funny that you say that because a lot of your characters are like the antithesis of that. Ooh, I know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I try to not be myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be myself as a character. I feel like that kind of defeats the purpose. I feel like when you're playing a role, you, subconsciously or not, you're, you're either going to make the person you wish you could be or do the exact opposite. Which is still the person you wish you could be, but you know you're scared to be that person because you're probably like a deviant. Um, <laughs> so I I try Boy, to stray about somewhere some there. Yeah. <laughs> off, off. Yeah, I try to stray there. I think like for me because I I am a I'm, I consider myself to be an overthinker. Being able to step into the shoes of somebody who is carefree is probably one of the most enlightening experiences as opposed to being someone like myself who thinks way too much than they need to way more than they need to Mm -hmm. yeah it's like i feel like certainly with your most recent character right with um with fisk he is someone who like lives in the moment and has lived in the moment for his entire life more or less it feels like and it's only in the last like week or something in in game um or whatever it's been their characters finally started giving thought to like what happens next which doesn't seem like something that's ever like crossed your mind as something to be concerned about so i i've theorized like one of one of two things is going to happen with the development of my character where i'm going to have what that development is by the way (laughs) because i feel like we talked around it and i know that like some of our listeners will be familiar but just to spell it out so uh, my I, I based my character very much around like a, a Johnny Bravo Jack Sparrow mix, just in terms of like how they go about things, how aloof they are, and whatnot. Granted, Jack Sparrow is a lot more perceptive than he'd let on, um, but just very aloof, very carefree, um, and you know I'm a bard, wrestler, mage now I think at this point in time, and the the idea behind the whole thing came up from another session that ended, which was, do you know it would be really cool if you made a bard wrestler who pl- played the theme songs before going into a fight? And I was like, that sounds hilarious. So I took that and I was like, okay, uh, let me let me adapt upon it and just make it weird. I'm gonna put a bag over my head and I'm gonna be grimace from McDonald's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's 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 kind of where I got that from. Um, and Owen over here 
works the way into the plot with the Undertaker. For those of you who who may know wrestling, the Undertaker was a was a big wrestler uh, through most of the late '90s, 2000s, and 2010s before he retired, and worked that into my my character's plot where the Undertaker is commanding me to to achieve a goal before, by SummerSlam, uh, or else the consequences, whatever they be. And really, my character has become like Candyman in, in the most recent movie where like I'm slowly morphing into this thing without realizing it because I've awoken it somehow. And I think <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, so like I see the development of my character going one of two ways and I haven't decided which, which is like I'm going to just become essentially conscious for lack of a better word. Or it just turns out that the whole thing was a facade and I was really aware of everything I was doing the entire time. <laughs> I'm, I'm deeply excited to find out which one you choose. Yeah. Like, I, I am I am the, the, the Dread Pirate Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't Can that you be the imagine? <laughs> Yeah, Can you like imagine the third like, campaign I've run where a PC is the main antagonist. I don't think I'd go that far, but I feel like I would definitely be like the we get to that point in the story and it's like so you're here and Alan's like that's right. I've come to take your throne and he's like I don't even know who you are, but what are you doing with my first mate? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Fisk, what's good? <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I kind of see it going in, one, in, in either of those directions, which I think would just be jaw-droppingly hilarious. Now, but now also hear me really out. Hear me out. Davy Jones goes, Fisk, smoke these fools. You, <laughs> go, you just go, okie dokie, Mr. Jones. <laughs> it's like I, I want your trust- word, and you just, your eyes dilate, and you just go into like a, no, into a fugue state. He's gonna, he's gonna red sun me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think it's time that you took care of them oh my gosh well i i think it'd have to be a little bit more on the nose where it would have to be like something like bisque can you smell what davy jones is cooking (laughs) (laughs) just really lay on like the wrestling level of it all but that that would be that would be actually just really funny bisque dta don't I I, that, I would be I would be twisted. Marvin a stunner. <laughs> yeah, I think like if that were the case, I'd be so twisted up in a good way. Like I love, uh, little known fact, like I love a good story and I love good writing, and I feel like that would be such great writing because you wouldn't see it coming, uh, and that's what would make it a really good plot. But I think all of them could be really good plots, and that's why it's fun for me because I'm just like this character could be everything. Or he could just be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like an, the property of like collective storytelling, right? Is you end up with this very emergent story that you couldn't have plotted out on your own from the beginning, like, and not mm-hmm. not exactly in the same way, right? Um, and as as fun as it would be to like say like, oh, Davy Jones is actually someone very close to you. I also feel like I'm treading on the same ground again because um, I just finished mm-hmm. doing that with my with my last Saturday campaign. Um, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the the main antagonist turned out to be the uh, older half brother of one of the player characters, um, mm-hmm. but he had wiped that character's memory multiple times in the Oof. backstory. So basically, I took his that player's entire backstory and I just threw it out. I retconned the entire thing. Um, it's all just fiction, 
your your oh. brother wiped your memory completely and rewrote it with some some other thing that you turned in for your backstory, and this is actually what it is. And we spent the last you know our major arc of that campaign of this character like hunting down his brother and you know finding out more about his actual backstory and then discovering that he was the person who architected the bad guy's ultimate plan but then felt bad about it so the main bad guy wiped his memory so that he wouldn't interfere um and then he found out that the whole reason that the plan had to be set into motion in the first place was because he was responsible for destroying his own homeworld and then he felt bad about it and developed this plan to revive his homeworld by destroying five others it was you know one of those things I'm I'm here for it. I was getting like uh, some Trigon vibes in there, and I don't know why, but I definitely was. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> knives. <laughs> I'm here for good storytelling. I'm I'm here for really good storytelling. I, I was getting that, and I was getting um, Sukashima from Bleach. Just like, oh no, I've inserted myself into your life. I'm your Wait. best friend now. Is Arnon Longcross just Bash the Stampede? <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting parallel I hadn't considered. I guess I think he's technically Vash the Stampede if Vash the Stampede was actually responsible for all of the shitty things that Knives ever did. Oof. Does that make him Knives? Yes. Is Charles I don't like Vash it. the Stampede? Oof. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I don't like this. <laughs> Are we the baddies? <laughs> I gotta rewatch it. I gotta rewatch it. Uh, did you actually check out the uh, the new Trigun? Oh. I watched the oh, first I see episode. It, I, I primarily watch anime in the summer because that's when work slows down. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what, I don't even know if I'll have the chance this summer because I'm when I transition it's jobs. It's 12 episodes, bud. It's 12 episodes. Yeah. It's like oh, no I know. That doesn't mean he I, can watch it. Yeah. Like so, I, I, I don't get to watch a lot of TV these days. I could probably watch uh, maybe less than three hours, and like a good chunk of those hours are dedicated to like spousal TV. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm a level with you. It's probably not worth the time to watch it. However, <laughs> um, <laughs> counterpoint to that. Um, it is a really interesting retelling of the story. Um, mm-hmm. it, there are different events. And basically, it's a retelling of Trigun in that universe. However, there are some key details that are different. And the story starts at an earlier point than the original you know, episode one, the $60 billion double dollar man, um, mm-hmm. starts. So like this story, this first season, this first 12 episode bit, tells basically the story of like what happened prior to lost July. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it tells it in like a, a different order because like you're still introduced to like some of your mainstays, like, you know, Merrill or Wolfwood and knives, mm-hmm. like those, th- those characters still get introduced. The gung ho guns get introduced. Legato gets introduced. Right. Even though mm-hmm. like in the original series, those characters were introduced well after lost July. Um, this is mm-hmm. introducing those characters earlier and then telling the story of of like of like a new incident, basically a new Lost July. So it's a different yeah. universe with the same characters, um, kind of loosely following. 
but there was some interesting stuff kind of at the end of the season. Um, one, because we also get to find out, you know, kind of Meryl's origin story as well, which mm-hmm. is, which I thought was kind of interesting because it tells the story of like how she goes from, well, how she joins the Bernadelli insurance agency as it turns out. Cause initially that was a misgiving that I had that she, they boiled her down to like the plucky novice reporter, but it turns out, Oh, this is actually a prequel. So I'm less upset about it because it shows, you know, how she gets to that point. I'm I'm gonna level with you. I there's there was already a strong chance I wasn't gonna watch it, and here's why. I and, and maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. I'm like strongly like resisting any type of reboot prequel type. I'm I'm just so much more interested in new stories now. Like I'm like, do I really need to? And also because of like nostalgia goggles, I'm like, do I really re- need to revisit like characters that they might make make me now hate? Or make me go back and be like, why did you do this in the first place? So now I kind of just don't bother um, for my own sanity. Um, there's another video I have to send you from Mother's Basement um, called Let Goku Die. And like it talks yeah. very much about that idea that like, you know, our time is limited and we should be selective about the media that we consume. And, you know, yeah. there's no need to watch another, you know, three seasons of Dragon Ball Super when you're not going to get anything new out of that story. Right, the story just it, continues to persist because it is a media entity now, not like a yeah. storytelling one. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of a lot of big stories become a marketing tool more than a narrative base. Mm-hmm. And once it gets to that point, I'm 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 just disinterested. I'm just like, okay. Like they're not really trying as much anymore. They can bring back the original creator all they want, but they like they had an ending for the story and they ended it and you guys just kept going and you made a mockery of it so then they had to come back and kind of clean it up uh with probably a ton of money uh but I, I'm, I'm just not interested in that i like i i want new stories like i really like vinland saga i really like cells at work um uh the last anime i watched was classroom of elite that was really good um I, i'm i'm just not reinterested i'm not interested in the past like at all like i'm i don't i don't need to go back there like every time they release a, a Roroni Kenshin movie, I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, never mind the fact that the creator's a pedophile, but <laughs> yeah, um, which makes like if you were on the fence before, I feel like that's a really strong tiebreaker. <laughs> the other way, yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting really much into like sport anime ever since I watched Haiku. Like, mm. I, I think it, like I just have to give newer things a chance because i'm finding that like the older things they're just cut for me they're just kind of tarnishing it and like i said that just could that could just be nostalgia goggles but i know like it's not it's it's realistically it's not geared towards me like it's geared towards a younger audience base and they're hoping that they can draw in some of those older viewers because it'll help bolster their views but it's not really targeted towards us oh i 100 percent agree and like for 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 all of the like cool things that i think the trigon stampede did like Ultimately, I still don't like it all that much. Like, I will continue yeah. to watch it because, like, you know, I, I kind of owe it to myself to continue to watch it. But like, it's not like, it's not a show that I come back to week after week, like Vinland Saga, for instance, where I'm like, mm. wow, like this is just mm-hmm. peak storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, you get to really like watch that character's journey through, like, kind of like as you watch, like these two characters kind of self-actualize in real time, right? Is <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of like what you're what you're watching. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I, I agree. Like I, I want to spend my time consuming good media, not like yeah. decent media, like or even. And like, I also think like shit. 
Yeah, I think I have, like, such a greater appreciation for storytelling now than I did when I was younger. And don't get me wrong, like, a lot of the animes we watched when we were younger are still really good and still hold up. But now, so, now, because I've I've matured more, some of the stuff I'm just like, okay, this isn't for me, and that's okay. But it also means it's okay for me not to watch it. And I'm not going to, because I'm going to watch something that's a little bit more my speed like vinland saga honestly like attack on titan that are a little bit the 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 themes are a lot more complex and a lot more adult and i like them and it's a lot more character based and story business driven based and it's not like for when you can watch an anime and there's no action but there's rich storytelling you know you're onto something good yeah i i definitely agree with that um if the only reason you're watching an anime is the action at this point in my life, I don't think it's worth my time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, if I want good action, there are hundreds of shows I could rewatch that had better action than whatever's on TV right now. Yep. Um, it might not be as well animated, but the action made more sense 99% of the time. Um, and, like, I also just find myself just moving away from shonen as a whole yeah um as it happens we are aging out of that demographic <laughs> yeah, yeah like it's it's Rapidly. not for us <laughs> like julian said um and i don't i don't mind that like i tried it's, to watch boruto and i just couldn't right like i just I, no, I, I think that's just bad well, <laughs> that show is better. actually just bad but it's just bad. But I think that, like, it's kind of emblematic of, like, this the sort of problem that you have, right? Where you have these legacy franchises that they continue to milk. And, mm-hmm. like, as a viewer, like, as a fan of Naruto, I feel like maybe I should try and watch it. But, you know, you watch a little bit of it and you're like, you know, 15 episodes in, you're like, it's just, like, you know, you're asking yourself, like, is it that it's bad? Or is it just that I'm older and don't get it? And then you go back and watch, like, the first 15 episode of, episodes of Naruto and you're like, oh, no, it's just bad, actually. Yeah, Boruto <laughs> is actually genuinely bad. Right. Yeah. Or like Dragon Ball Z, no, right? where you continue to want like <sighs> something better out of the story than it'll ever actually produce. Yeah. No, I, I think all of that is fair. Like, I, I think as you, I think as you get older, you're just more mindful of your time and where you want to place your energy, and like you age out of those really basic stories that you liked when you were younger because you like really good action scenes or whatever it may be and now you really want rich characters and rich storytelling and if there's some really cool action in there that's cool too uh but the draw like uh, oh and i probably haven't said it around you but i know i've said it to marvin like when attack on titan finishes anime wise for me my objective scale it's one of the best animes i've ever seen in my life it's up there with full metal alchemist brotherhood because the creator of attack on titan has such a great way of creating characters that you care about just to kill them uh that you're like wow i met you for one episode and i'm sad that you died like that is really hard to do to get that level of investment and i'm here for it and the overarching story itself is just kind of for me it's very brilliant Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think AOT is definitely up there amongst the greats uh, for me. Like, I put it in my top five. And, like, this is coming from somebody who, like, watched the first season and thought it was kind of mid, right? I didn't even watch season two when it released because it had been years and I didn't even remember it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I didn't even start start season two until season three was coming to an end. Same. Same. I, 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 I was like, oh, shit, this is actually, like, engaging. 
I held off on watching it because I don't watch things when they're in the midst of the hype because I don't want to be persuaded by the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watched it, well, one, I really, I was impressed with them, like, kind of faking us out with killing the main character, and then they didn't really kill the main character. But, like, they're, the people in it are, like, really, they make sense. Like, Commander Aaron makes sense. Hanj makes sense. Armin makes sense. Like, the things they're doing are logical choices that they make, except for Aaron. But Aaron's not supposed to be a logical character. He's supposed to be a rage-filled character, and that's why his character makes sense. Uh, yeah. It, it just, it, it plays so well together. The characters are written um, consistently. Like, they are. My favorite thing about the series is that there are characters where, like, their actions are blatantly evil, and I still, at this point in my analysis of it, don't think those characters are villain. Oh, I, I think the show is filled with killmongers. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even, I think killmongers a villain. For, for reasons we've discussed, Julian. Like, yeah. Because he, he chose to do things the bad way. Fair. With bad in quotes, obvious. Um, Fair. But, like, there are characters who just don't get to choose what they do in Attack on Titan. They're just forced into a situation. Yeah. And they don't even get to make a choice. They just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, like, I think that, but I think that's so realistic to, to like, a lot of people's everyday lives is, like, mm-hmm. for. Uh, overwhelming majority of people like choice is actually an illusion <laughs> yep yeah and I, I i think the show hits on that very well and that's kind of that's one of the things like where i kind of put it ahead of full metal alchemist brotherhood for me is like their characters aren't uniquely brilliant like some of the characters you would say are in full metal alchemist in in, in brotherhood like some of those characters are like incredibly smart and as i get older like there are very few people who can be that smart, let alone how many people they have in the show that are that smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I mean, I will say one caveat to that, right? The majority of the people in um, Brotherhood that like you would qualify that like as like brilliant in some capacity, the vast majority of them are like scientists. Right? <laughs> so this, this this is true, right? This is true. Like that show has a very high concentration of people who are scientifically minded. Um, not to this, say that like true. that it correlates with being intelligent because I don't think it does. But um, but what I mean to say is like you're going to get a, a higher density of that, right? And the other part of that, the other like group of people in that show are people who are highly ranked in the military um which again doesn't always correlate with intelligence but can often uh correlate with you know political savviness if nothing else no i i i would agree that that is very fair uh, and you you can consider this anecdotal yeah i'll take it as anecdotal the more people i meet in the in the varying positions that they're in of hierarchies the more I, I realize they are not extraordinary as you would think they are. And you're just like, wow, I really could be doing this too, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's just like, if, if, if pathways were different, I could literally be in your chair and it wouldn't be that much different. Mm. Yeah, it's 100%, right? Like, I think that the way that history is written it often is written like the way that people tell stories and the way that history is written is often written around the idea of there being like great men or great people that are yeah. like pivotal 
you know, people in those moments. But I think that like reality doesn't really coincide with that because, you know, for every, you know, great, you know, Alexander the Great or whatever, like it could have just as easily been, you know, Robert the not so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a Game of Thrones joke? <laughs> not on purpose, but I'll take it. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll even, you know, touch on Game of Thrones as a good example. Is like most of the people in that show are are of probably average intellect, and it's you see exactly how far it gets them. Like Ned, Ned Stark is one of my favorite characters, but you see what being an honorable person gets you in a in a world like that. Same thing with um, who is it? Was it is it Robert, his son, right? Yeah. Who, Robert, yeah, like Stark. Yeah. Who, who is who is cunning and smart and charismatic, but also he has that level of honorability. Doesn't get you very. And in reality, honor does not get you very far in life. People will like you, but it, you're you're playing the longer game because you you're sticking to your code of ethics, and like that's so real and hard to deal with on a daily basis. I actually just um, watched a YouTube video about honor in Game of Thrones and why Ned Stark died, but Jon Snow didn't. Jon Snow like, did die. <laughs> why he didn't stay dead. <laughs> that one they cheated. <laughs> um, Look, she can do it, magic, but only this one time. Only this one <laughs> <laughs> Some bullshit is what that is. Um, that like, the, the, one difference between them, the difference between them in the end was that Ned only followed his code of honor, and John, after meeting the wildlings and living with them for a while, um, realized that survival was sometimes more important than honor. And, like, the greater good was sometimes even more important than your honor and your I, own survival. I actually, I disagree with that analysis. I, I disagree. I Go think, on. I think helping people is part of his honor. I think, like, when you think of decent men, decent men help people. They don't ignore them on the side of the road. And it just so happens to coincide with the bigger threat. John John had no no true uh, conflict with the wildlings other than, you know, the normal person raised to, to dislike people based off of other people's opinions. And then he got to know them, and he's like, these aren't bad people. They don't go against my personal morals whatsoever they're just trying to do their own thing and doing their own thing right now coincides with what i have learned is the bigger threat i think john followed his morals all the way to the end and his morals just happen to coincide with survival um because i think he gets to that point when he's revived and he leaves the night's watch that's part of his morals he's like i don't want to do this anymore bro i just want to go home like i i, I think I, I don't think he became less... I think that's just as honorable as knowing when to quit as much as, like, I have this... I owe this responsibility or this debt to these people, but I really don't. It's just made up. Well, I'm saying because, like, he was willing to break an oath. Like, yeah. after after the Wildlings. Not because the Wildlings made him do it. But yeah. after his time with them, he was willing to break an oath if it meant doing what was right. Which, I, could, I, could, I could make the argument that... Actively tried not to do he tried yeah. to never break an oath even if breaking the oath meant doing a wrong thing i could make and, the argument when mm-hmm. he died he doesn't have to follow those anymore <laughs> yeah but you know i think that was uh, the argument that, Robin, that uh john snow himself made yeah new, new john new, new, what they new said. Me. <laughs> but like spoilers for the last episode of game of thrones like he kills daenerys right that's breaking an oath but he knows it's for the greater good 
That's something okay. Ned never would have done. But John's experiences with the Wildlings and dying and the Night's Watch, like, taught him that sometimes Jamie Lannister is right. So I have a counterpoint to that. As someone who's mm-hmm. like a casual fan of Game of Thrones, um, Rob Stark in Game of Thrones ends up dying and paying the price because he broke an oath. Yeah. But not not for the greater good. That was for a selfish reason. Yeah. Like the the point is that John is willing to break an oath for what is right, not for himself. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ned is not willing to do that. Rob broke. Ned his was oath unwilling to break an oath. Reasons. Period. Rob was willing to break it for himself, but John was willing to break it for for the greater good. Mm-hmm. For the greater good. I don't know. I mean, there's. I think you can have a whole. We could have a whole podcast about it. You could. You could have a whole. Co- but I'll. I'll be quick. You can have a whole conversation about oaths and what the oath is actually to versus to how people apply it. Right, I think about uh, Black Panther as the example. You know, you had when when Killmonger took over in the movie, and the Dormilaji were like, "Well, we have to side with like how we do things." And like Ramonda's like, "Yeah, but they just kind of killed the king, and like it's kind of not how we really do things." Like, I think it's in situations like that, the oath is: Am I giving an oath to a person, or am I giving an oath to the meaning, which is usually a greater purpose? Fuck. And I think you can make the argument that the the oath you take is to the greater purpose and not to the person itself. For fuck's mm-hmm. sake, isn't that just a lesson that Donald and Goofy learned in Hollow Bastion and Kingdom Hearts One? Oh, my oh I god. couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh my god, everything is Kingdom Hearts. I hate it. Here. <laughs> but do, but does it's that exactly make sense? It's exactly what happens. Um. So, like, it does make sense, but also Ramonda is technically wrong because Killmonger used all the official rules to take, I, it, control, it was a, to take control. It was a wonky example, but it was just so you could understand where I was kind of getting at. Oh, no, I get you. I, I get you 100%. I just think, like, I don't know. Their, their oath was to the crown, the throne. Yeah. Their yeah. oath was not to T'Challa. It wasn't to his family. Yeah, it was. I, I it was to the throne. I agreed. I agreed. But I, I think about that. Like, take it into the context of like. Wow, I think like on such an existential level, like what is the crown and what does it represent versus like you're just saying it's this person. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Because uh, I think like, and this is maybe this is just my own personal code, and this is like why when when i talk to certain people and they're they're loyal to a fault i can't stand people who are loyal to a fault because at some point your loyalty to the person is going to override the greater cause which is usually the people and your loyalty should be to the person so long as the cause is to the greater people because in reality your loyalty is to the greater good the greater people and that's kind of where i draw that distinction it's like uh even like with modern day politics it's like do you follow somebody just because they they're technically in charge, but they're going against what the greater commitment they made is, but they still hold the title? Or do you kind of have to rebel because they're not going with what the actual commitment is, but they still hold the title? Does that make sense? Oh, 100 percent. I think ultimately when it boils down to it, right, you have to kind of weigh the. Um, I'm trying to think how to put it. It's like you have to look at like the person who's like making those decisions, and if they're no longer working in the the best interests of the people who like vest that power in them, then they really ought to not have that power any longer. 
So, but but by that definition, and you know, it's subjective at this point. Jamie Lannister didn't break an oath. His oath is to the people of King's Landing. So when he killed the uh, the dude, like he he didn't actually to me he didn't break an oath. He was keeping well, the people of King's Landing safe. Well, the Kingsguard oath is not to the people. Yeah, that that oath is to your king. Not even like a good king. It's that king. I, I don't know. We can get into the semantics of that. I, I really think we can. Yeah, I will say, though, that we're going to probably save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're actually running up on time here. So, um, so Julian, thank you so much for, for of course, stopping by. Um, I feel like if I let this go, we would probably talk for another three hours. And that's probably still have more things to say. <laughs> that's fair. Thanks for having me. Um, so hopefully this won't be the last time. Have you on another time uh, in the future, hopefully? Uh, I, listen, I... Am always willing to have really good conversation about just about anything. So if you guys need someone for a filler episode, uh, you 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 may call upon me whenever you need. <laughs> There's filler. no such thing as filler episodes on talking as a free action. I'm saying it's we'll, all we'll canon. Main plot. <laughs> <laughs> it's all canon all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm I'm always willing to come back. Uh, I I love a good conversation. I love talking with you guys as we do on our session days and whatnot. And I don't know how many conversations me and Marvin have had over the the decade of our friendship that have just spiraled out of hand, but have been really good. Decade is selling a short bud. I I don't math. It's probably closer uh, to. Yeah, we're we're getting there. I think. Um, oh my gosh, we are! Ooh! Julian, you're- I'm gonna know you longer than I haven't known you. Yeah, we're- we're almost there, bud. Ooh, pull the ripcord. Actually, I think we are already almost- uh, we are already there. Yeah. Ooh, we- 2020 is, uh, 10 years since our graduation. When did we actually start high school? 2006. 2000. Ah, we still have time. <laughs> not a lot of it. Not not a lot, but we still have time. Uh, I, I, if you invite me again, I promise to keep the conversation more D and D focused because it's definitely my fault that it spun out. Oh, that, don't um, worry, that's us too. <laughs> <laughs> one one week we actually just talked about movies for 45 minutes and talked oh. about D and D for like four. Love it. Love talking about movies. Uh, <laughs> but I think like a lot of. We're getting much a lot closer of stuff, to like a uh, podcast. <laughs> you, you are. A lot of the stuff we talk about for me relates back to why I played D&D for a mm-hmm. good rich plot. <laughs> that was ultimately the theme of that episode. Like, yeah. how we draw inspiration from all those other things. Anyways, we're trying to wrap up the show. Yeah, we can't keep yeah. talking. About- <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> for sure. So, uh, Julian, yeah. any closing thoughts for our, uh, for our audience or for people who might be, you know, interested in D&D or maybe not sure how to kind of get out of their shell? Um, I definitely think if you are going to be a DM and bring in somebody who hasn't played D&D, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to have a lot of flexibility so that the person is comfortable uh, easing their way into it. I think if you are somebody who wants to try it out, go for it and like, you know, work with your DM to build a character that you're comfortable with because you're not going to just most people aren't going to just dump into the deep end and just go crazy. So just work with something you're care you're 
you're comfortable with and understand. That's why I said like in the beginning, I picked like very straightforward builds where it's like, my person's just gonna kick and punch. I don't have to do too much thinking. I just have to know how many times I can do it in a in an action. Um, so like just start off slow and like it gets better as it goes along. And you know, as a DM, just try to make the story as engaging as possible for those people because I think that's why people play D&D. It's not for the mechanics, it's, it's for the story. So like, uh, just have a, a, a rich story and a rich time getting people engaged and they'll they'll want to come back. I mean, that's that's why I did it. I very much enjoy playing. And every time you guys invite me to a campaign, I'm like, uh, so when do we start and how much dice do I need to purchase? <laughs> <laughs> very cool. All right, everybody. Well, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and call it a, call it a show. Um, as always, you can catch us on Twitter at TIAFA Podcast. You can catch me at Vlad Viver. You can catch Marvin at Taiyugetsu. Uh, Julian, do you have a social media that you want to plug? Nah, man. You could you could just catch me in them streets. All right. Well, with that, uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Julian, for joining us. And uh... Have a good one, everybody. Yeah.